Whether it's bad planning, bad luck, bad timing, or bad inventions, well-intentioned bad decisions have plagued history for thousands of years. Welcome to Historic Hindsight. Hello and welcome to another episode of Historic Hindsight. I'm John, that's Tom, and today we're going to talk to you about the Kentucky Derby. The Where did you even get the Kentucky Derby from? Paul Revere's ride. Horse racing. Yeah, horse racing. It is horse it was, racing, yeah. Was this not the beginning yeah, the, the of beginning horse racing? Horse, it could be. And, uh, the very and, first. And we're releasing this on the 4th of July, so happy 4th of July and happy 4th of July celebrations. Uh, that's why happy jo birthday, America. Yeah, yes. Johnny and I uh, went in completely different uh, directions yeah, I thought, for costumes I thought for today. For the birth of the nation you might dress up for such an occasion make a good impression and you decided to, to go the opposite uh, way. go the other way with yeah, that so you know but that's the beauty of america we're free to go whichever way we want yes so what we're actually doing children is is listen my children and you shall hear the midnight ride of israel bissell because paul what? revere's bullshit and we're going to hey. dismell all the myths about paul israel revere and his Bissell? midnight ride. Yeah, Israel Bissell is the guy who should get the, more of the credit. Is that the vacuum cleaner guy? Yeah, like, it could be. It could be. Yeah. <laughs> so, who, hey, okay, so I know the ride of Paul Revere. This is yes. This is history that's been taught forever. So forever, yes. why are we bothering with this? Because he rode and warned the Americans that the British were coming and saved the United States and won the declaration of independence or something yeah right? you're, you're pretty that's much summed it. up what we're taught in school at least in american schools what we're taught that's and, what i learned yeah it's complete and total garbage and uh and then most like of it never taught, happened it, well people rode and people warned okay. but the whole story behind it and why and how and aftermath is not at all what we hear in that in that famous it, poem are, are you claiming that our history may have been embellished to make it look more dramatic or better just, I think I had a bug on me. Yes, just a scotch. Just a scotch, Johnny. So uh, if you don't know Paul Revere, he was a silversmith uh, prior to the war. Uh, and by being a silversmith, by that I mean he actually ran his daddy's company after his daddy died almost into the ground, which oh. is why he becomes a patriot, because he blames his poor management of the silver company on uh, on taxes by the British crown. And so that ah, was, it was that's, that. that that ruined his company not you know maybe now was that because the british was taxing they were taxing everything right all so part of the whole stamp acts all that stuff everything yeah, yeah, was yeah. okay yeah and yeah, so yeah. instead of him just being bad at his job and being you know a silver spoon in his mouth eh? quite literally <laughs> uh, yeah so he instead of him running into the ground he found somebody to blame and did something about it yes sure, it's the sure american did. way now, at the time, Paul Revere was uh, at the time of, of, of 1775. We're talking about the night of April 18th into the morning of April 19th. This is when the okay. ride happens. Uh, so uh, so at that time, Paul Revere is actually relatively famous and popularized mostly uh, by his, uh, his, his etching engraving of the Boston Massacre. So that propaganda piece that you know, spread across all newspapers in the colonies. And that's showing etching the on mass, you know, silver or like a silver etch? Uh, I believe it started just... as like a silver plate, and then, of course, it gets printed. Uh, okay. So that's, yeah, so, yeah but that's the press he yeah. made. Yeah, he's famous um, for that. Now, I'm sorry, uh, and maybe you said this. What year are we in? We're April? 1775. So this is, Five, this is okay. before, and it's an important note, this is before the Declaration of Independence. This is before oh, so the colonies have started it? a war. <laughs> with, with Am I thinking of a different thing? I think what? you're thinking of Cage, Nicholas Cage's oh, movie. Yeah, that wasn't a, a documentary on Paul no. Revere? Mm -mm, okay. Mm -mm. Well, there is, there, therein lies my confusion. 
There, there you go. Uh, and he was occasionally used to relay messages, although most of the colonists tended to avoid him for this role because he was loud, flamboyant, and tended to attract attention wherever he went because he's Paul well, Revere. Isn't so, that a bit of uh, his job? Was he, he was like a crier of sorts? Yeah, uh, but or was he supposed to deliver private messages? Yeah, and these was are like so, yes, bursting yeah, into town yeah. saying, "Hey, everybody, look that's, what I got!" Yeah, that's the first part of the big myth about the whole ride is this was in secret. This was oh, a private message. He these wasn't are, are, rolling yeah, in, not, screaming yeah. off at the top of his lungs, or shouldn't have been. It shouldn't have. Or, at least shouldn't have been. Yeah. Now, on April 7th, okay. 1775, we have, we have a Joseph Warren who'd received word that the British may be moving on Massachusetts uh, in the Provincial Congress as, uh, as you know, they were, you know, talking about the whole war thing mm-hmm. and not liking the crown and maybe wanting just, oh. you know, to, right. to, to right. rebel against the said crown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that they were talking about uh, getting rid of all the rebellious activities by, uh, by getting rid of the arms and munitions that the Provincial Massachusetts... Uh, Congress was was sitting on a huge store of guns and and, black, and the, you know, gunpowder and munitions, and so and, they think that the British wanted that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, this makes sense that which they would sense. want that, I suppose. Yeah, and, and they were sitting there on Concord, which is where the Congress was in Concord. So on April fourteenth, uh, British General Thomas Gage actually did receive orders, which were laughingly sent to him on the twenty seventh of January. <laughs> Wait, I hold up. It took three. They months. were. So from where? Where? I'm from assuming South from Africa? I'm assuming, for, I'm assuming like, it came from England, but still, that's a lot. That's a, it seems like a bit much uh, for orders I from the mean, crown. Didn't we? Uh, yeah, I don't know. But his orders I guess, were. I guess you know, in 17, <laughs> not not much travels uh, fast. Yeah. Um, so he was uh, he was ordered to uh, to uh, disarm the rebels uh, and uh, find their hiding guns in Concord, which is where they were believed to be held, and to okay. arrest specifically Samuel Adams and John Hancock, as they were two of the heads of the uh, of this whole rebellious movement. Beer guy. Uh, yeah, beer guy. Yeah, the beer guy. Yeah, Samuel. Yeah, Adams. yeah beer guy. Yeah. Uh, and he 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 was mixed up in all this. Yeah, he's mixed up. He's one of those. He's one of those. All right, so they're coming for they're coming for some warrants and contraband. Warrants and contraband. They're gonna kick down the doors of Concord and and arrest everyone inside and take the weapons and ammo. Yep, 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 yep. So Gage was given discretion on the orders, however, and so he ordered his men, and I quote, "With utmost expedition and secrecy to Concord, where you will seize and destroy all military stores, but you will take great care uh, to the soldiers to not plunder and hit any of the inhabitants or hurt private property." So he's telling the British soldiers, "Hey." Go take the guns. Go take the military equipment that can be used, but leave private property alone. And they're like, wait, wait, wait. Don't mess with people's houses. Hold up. Why are we doing things so out of the ordinary now? Like, why aren't we allowed to do our normal thing? <laughs> right, what right, what right. gives, guys? Uh, however, he did not, in writing at least, order the arrests of anyone uh, because his fear would be that if he ordered the arrests in writings and the, those those orders fall into the wrong hands, malicious hands, then yeah. that would be spur for the militia to get a little bit... Uh, Hostile, rowdy, rowdy, a little bit more rowdy, rowdy than okay. just taking yeah. their guns. So, okay, um, so yeah, so he, so there's verbal orders, I would assume. Yes, but these but, orders are assume? these orders are given on April 14th, and it's still gonna be four more days before anything's actually done because apparently things move super fast in 1775. <laughs> I mean, no one was in a hurry. Where did they have to go? Right. It was, and how uh, did they have, how could they get there? They, they, you walk or you take a horse? Yeah, or, or, like, or, or a boat up a river. But yeah, yeah, walk. walk okay, yeah. yeah, sure. If, uh, if you're if you're well-to-do, I suppose. But by this time, Johnny, those orders were kind of well and moot because um, they they were already secured because uh, 
Joseph Warren knew on April 7th that there were issues and had already on April 7th started the, the work in motion to get the guns moved from Concord into uh, uh, various locations and outside cities. So, yeah, so he, they, he broke it up and sent it, it like, to right, yeah. different areas to which so is, that even if one still gets hit, it's not the yeah, whole. Yeah, which should have been what was done thing. to begin with. You shouldn't have your all your military stores in one location if you're a rebel army. That's just stupid. Well, this was this would probably happen before the phrase don't put all your eggs in, the, in one basket <laughs> it came about and so nobody had that wisdom, Tommy. So you know. you're, you're right. So leading up to the, the the British movements, there was some concern that the leaders' well-being uh, was still in danger because they might be getting arrested, and maybe they don't know that the British were on the move. So this is where the whole idea of of warn the leadership before you know the British move out, or as the British move out, warn the leadership okay. so they can get get out of where they're hiding up at. Okay. So days before the 18th, Revere did instruct a Robert Newman, uh, who was the sexton of the North Church, to send a signal by lantern to alert the colonists in Charleston of any movements by British troops. So basically, if you see the British moving out in more than like 50 people, lights right. and candles, let us know so what's going on. So this is the one if by land, two if by this sea This is your one if by land, deal? two if by sea. Yes, okay. this did happen. It is one, by, one if by land, two if by sea. But what did not happen is Paul Revere was not waiting. Uh, on the other side of the river uh, for said lanterns. He did not not? get in a boat and row across the river when he saw said lanterns because the lanterns weren't to warn him. They were to warn the city itself, not like of Charleston that the the British were moving. So, um, hmm. so all the militia. So this men, was like a local ordinance. Yeah, yeah. Um, all the all the militia guys, men get in, the in your area. houses, buckle down, yeah. board up, whatever. Yeah. All the all the local militiamen knew to look at the church, and if the candles came up in the church, like all right, to arms, guys, we're going up. We're good. Okay. So between 9 p.m. and 10 p.m. on the 18th, Joseph Warren is going to tell Revere, Paul Revere, and a William Dawes uh, that he would uh, he had intel that the British were planning on moving out that night and to go and warn Hancock and Samuel Adams uh, that the British were moving to arrest them. And uh, and go ahead and yo know, like go get out of here. It. Find and he to said specifically that this mission must be in utmost secrecy, as there were curfews in place, and there were British patrols in place and checkpoints on the road, so yeah. you weren't supposed to be out past a certain hour, and you definitely weren't supposed to be out past a certain hour, like you know, on a horseback hooting running, hooting and hollering. <laughs> so hence, don't fucking hoot and holler. So this isn't this isn't Sarah Palin's. You know, he was riding on that horse and ringing them bells and shooting them guns to the British that they're not going to take our guns and their freedoms. He who warned uh, the the British that they weren't going to be taking away our arms uh, by ringing those bells and and um, making sure as he's riding his horse through town to. Send those warning shots and bells that uh, we were going to be secure and we were going to be free. Yeah, that shit. Yeah, he was doing <laughs> she, that. She did he, that. She went, yeah, she, she did, you that. Know, I'm going to put that clip I, up because that clip is hilarious. Because that was I missed the it. stupidest when she was running for vice president. Anyways. So I yeah, miss those days, that, to be honest. Yeah, I do too. That, that quaint. Did, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that most definitely did not, in fact, happen. They were already on their way before those candles were lit in the bell tower those candles were lit for a whole whopping like i think it was uh one to five minutes it was very okay. brief time uh just enough to give a signal across and so what 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 was the ride for then you said there was a ride the ride the, the, those two uh uh uh, uh paul, revere and, paul revere and and dawes were were sent out to warn hancock and samuel adams that they could be being okay. arrested so because of them specifically yes okay. those two uh and they were it wasn't just paul revere there was dawes as well because if yeah. one person gets 
captured along the way, which was expected, at least you have this backup. Yeah, yeah. It's it's doing it's uh having um uh what's that called? Uh contingency uh, plan. Uh, sure, yeah, that's not what I was thinking of, but yeah, we'll go with that because yeah. I'm not gonna think of it. Uh, there's actually an estimated of up to as many as 40 riders that actually got sent out through the countryside because what happened is the ride itself, Paul Revere did set out and did go town to town uh, from Somerville uh, to Medford and then to Arlington and to Lexington. Uh, he did okay. he did move along that route. Redundancy While was the going word. going there, he would stop off at, uh, at known militiamen's houses and give them a heads up that, hey, two arms, the British are coming, except... He didn't say the British are coming. Why? Yeah. Because because uh, they're all fucking British at this point. There <laughs> isn't been a declaration. There isn't America. There isn't. They're, they're not considering themselves like colonial. The, they're, they're, the us are, are coming. British. The us are coming. We the are we. The, the bad we though. The bad version of us. The, the, the ones coming. that we don't want. Uh, what was actually uh, what was actually said is that the uh, the regulars are on the move is is pretty much what the uh, or the regulars are coming out was pretty much the uh, the phrases that were used. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because uh, that makes sense because the regulars are referring to the actual British military regulars. Right. Uh, the colonial military is considered the militia at this point. So. Yeah, but how do you build national pride around that quote? You know, I mean, it's got to be something. But you have to have a direct enemy. Yeah, right. Yeah, and you so have the British. The British are sounds better in the. You write in a that poem. history, and it sounds a whole lot better. The British are coming sounds a lot better in a poem written almost a hundred years later. Anyways, as he wrote, years yeah, later. almost a hundred years later from this poem. But anyways, <laughs> so as he wrote, others would get on their horses and start spreading the word as well. Uh, hence the upwards of forty riders that night. Yeah, because there was a whole like this was a this was a conglomerate of people that yes. would do that. Like it yeah. was like okay, we're gonna start. You know, one goes here, and then four go out from there, and then four more from there, or whatever, and and it grows, and you get the message out fast. How many did you say there were? There were uh, upwards of forty known writers. Yeah, forty writers. Yeah, and uh, so we know Paul Revere because he had the longest and most important ride, or the mm. the the hardest, or. Sure, we'll go with that. Uh, Revere is going to arrive in Lexington around midnight with William Dawes, uh, close behind him about 30 minutes later. Uh, they're going to meet at you know at John Hancock's relative's home, the Hancock-Clark home, uh, okay. where they're going to find John Hancock and Samuel Adams. They're going to spend the next little bit over the next hour discussing a plan of action. Hancock and, and, and Adams rightfully think that it's a bit excessive to send 500-plus British to just arrest those two. So they don't think they're actually, the goal is to arrest them. They think their goal is to go after the guns and munitions. Which right, because that right. would, 500 yeah. people would be yeah. overkill. Yeah, they are, and like, they are right in that assumption. 10. They're right in that assumption. So they send Dawes and, uh, and, and, and uh, Paul Revere back down to, uh, to Concord to get the guns and, and warn them. While all of this is going on, I have to mention a Samuel Prescott, who's a doctor of the time, who happened upon the Hancock-Clark house around 1 a.m. while he was returning from a lady's friend's house at 1 o'clock in the morning. This dude was totally having the listed affair. Just happened uh, to come... Uh, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, you said he was a doctor. Yeah, yeah okay. She house call. clearly house call. was having night sweats. Yeah, house um, call. Whether they were before or after he arrived is hearsay. And we don't, we don't need to investigate that. But he was treating her for night sweats. <laughs> night sweats, yep. And as he's returning home, he comes across the Hancock uh, 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 Clark house, sees Samuel Adams, John Hancock, you know, Prescott and, 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 and Dawes, and decides, hey, listen, um, this sounds like fun. How can I... How can I be a part of what, it? So they're like, why... What even was the world back then? If, if, who, who just... 
It just walks around like he was probably drunk. Oh, I guarantee you. Uh, coming coming home at one a.m. and just sees people and he's like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna go be a part of that. Yeah, and he was a part of that. And they're like, hey, you can help. You can help ride too. So they set off to go to Concord to uh, to to warn the militia that in Concord to hey to arm up and to get rid of the guns and all that fun stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, on their way to Concord, they will not make it uh, because they are initially armed and detained uh, by Ar- the local uh, by the local British patrols. Armed and detained, like their guns taken. Is that what that means? Uh, well, what yeah, is- yeah. Well, yeah. They were detained. Their arms were detained. Okay. All that fun stuff. So okay. on their way. To the Concord, they get picked up by British patrol. Uh, Dawes and Prescott are actually smart enough to escape. Prescott just jumps his horse over a wall. Uh, and just Dawes, run. He's just like, yeah, I'm just going to run and see yeah, if they chase me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see what uh, happens. Uh, Dawes Probably high, not gonna. Yeah, Dawes high tears it back the way he came. And Revere just like, you got me. You got me. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? Uh, Prescott, Win some, you lose some. Yeah, Prescott. Know is actually going to make his way to Concord. He's going to be the only one of the three riders that actually makes it into Concord to successfully warn Concord. Uh, Dawes is going to have his horse, uh, uh, get bucked from his horse, and then he's going to say, ah, screw it, and he goes home. <laughs> That's enough for me. So he's not, he's not the type to get kicked off a horse and get back up on it yeah, and, I got that. and keep going. He's like, you know what? Maybe that's a sign. But Maybe I, I don't need to be doing this right now. Yeah. Uh, but at this point, it's all a moot point because what's actually been initiated is a series of, of actions called the arm and muster or the arm to muster. And uh, and what that means is um, once the lights, of the candles were lit and people mm-hmm. started getting up and moving around and once Samuel Adams and John Hancock were warned, arm and muster went into effect where this is where Sarah Palin wasn't completely wrong. This is where guns are fired in the air. Bells are rung city to city and uh, drums are banged to okay, warn so is- local militias up to 25 miles away. The arm and muster order went out and cities oh, up to 25 miles away. were ringing bells, shooting. That had to that have been signal. quick, quick. That had to have been eerie and terrifying for to the British. Be in. Oh, for, for everybody involved. Like you might just sitting in your house, and then you're hearing just drums and bells and alarms, gunshots, just everything going off loud as can be, and you know what that means. That means people are coming. Like it's great to have a warning system, but you still don't know what that how many what is it going to work. Like what are they going to just come in and start lighting fire to our village? Because that's what they did. Well, you're not. Yeah, they did. Yeah, you're definitely not far off because that's going to happen later in this episode. So Revere, uh, while he is detained, he is going to be a good patriot and keep his mouth shut. And by keep his mouth shut, I'm going to say that uh, what actually happens is he went into full five year old. uh, Daddy can kick (laughs) your daddy's ass. and said, "Okay, so listen. I've already warned everybody. The militia's there in Lexington. Yeah. You shouldn't go to Lexington because you go to Lexington, they're going to kick your ass. So like, I'm, I'm warning you, don't go to this Lexington. Is, Why this would is you also, go to Lexington? We, you know, we're there. This is also a guy who uh, hasn't been told no a lot, a lot in his life and hasn't had a lot of consequences for his actions, I would imagine. And so, of course, he surrenders and thinks nothing bad is going to happen to him. And, oh, well, you're too late. I'm going to come out on the right side of things and boy was he right yeah he's gonna be uh, right because uh i guess white songs and poems and books and everything like it's about uh, to take over for him american legend on their way to lexington the british heard gunshots and asked revere what the fuck is going on buddy and he goes i told you i told you you're in for it now (laughs) that's the alarm shots daddy's gonna kick your daddy's ass 
<laughs> as they get closer to Lexington, they start hearing the bells ringing. And, and, and Revere says, and I quote, the bells ringing, the town's alarmed, and you're all dead men. So, okay, so they, they have him. They've captured him, and they're yeah. marching with him. To Lexington to, uh, and to, so, to go get Samuel Adams. And, and, and so he's and, just, and a, just a jackass laughing in the back telling him. I, how did he not get shot? Well, it, did they have to take take him alive or something? Was that like a, uh, a, a command? Or? Well, maybe because at this point, when the bells are ringing and the gunshots are going off and drums are banging, the British the British patrol, which is like five dudes, they're like, um, "Yeah, we're not equipped for this." So, <laughs> so Revere, what we're gonna do is Hi, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take your gun and your horse, and we're gonna bounce and warn the regular British that are coming up that hey, you actually are uh, coming into a shitstorm, so be yeah. warned. And it's Revere, be bad. Revere, you go do whatever you want to go do. Right, we're done. And by do whatever you want to do, Revere is going to wind his way up into a pub and over the next hour is going to be retrieving a trunk full of Hancock's papers in a pub. In a pub. For an hour. Retrieving well, papers. Okay, to be fair, he probably went and asked the pub owner for the papers. And he said, oh, well, they're in the back. I'll have to go get those. Why don't you sit down? And he probably had a beer or two, you would imagine. Or ten. <laughs> He's been through a lot and uh, had to wait for those those papers. Uh, once after retrieving this trunk successfully, he stumbles, I mean, walks out of the walks pub. Very uh, stably. Very stably, very soberly. And here's <laughs> the shot heard around the world where the Lexington troops, uh, the, the, you know, the colonial militia starts engaging the British or vice versa, however you want to look at it. Uh, either way, British soldiers square off with colonial militia and shots are fired. Who knows who shot the first shot? We totally shot the first shot. But who shot the first uh, shot? Well, and then, you okay. know, wars, Quick question. wars on. How how they know which of the gunshots being fired off was the one that was engaging the battle? Because there was definitely and not a volley. ones that yeah, were we warning, <laughs> right? Everybody, like, it's just there's so, guns anyways, and, and everything. Paul and then, Revere so, hears the gunshots and he's like, "Ah, oh, there's a battle going on." He drunken meanderedly stumbles in that direction where he winds up finding Hancock and they, you know, help. At, he helps Adams and Hancock retreat from the city which there's already a battle going on from. I this is how how fortuitous that they just keep finding like it it makes the old world seem they like uh there must have been 50 people there total if they're going to be able to find them. Like I I go to the state fair and even with phones I can't find, find my people, family yeah. separated. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's true. Uh well anyways, fortuitous of him. Uh, by the way, like I said, Prescott was the actual, the only one to uh, to make it to Concord and warn the city. But again, moot point because the whole arm and muster thing had they, done it for them. Everything uh, else. Yeah, they really they, they were like, hey guys, they're coming. They're like, uh, yeah, we heard the bells and gunshots and, and, and drums. But we to got get, it. <laughs> yeah, but to get the message farther out to other towns that weren't necessarily in earshot of, uh, of Lexington and Concord, sure. you, need, you do need a rider. Enter Israel Bissell. Israel, 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 Israel Bissell, yes. Bissell, Bissell. Uh, so he was a post writer for the colonists uh, and a patriot. So he did. He was, you know, mailman. Just think of your local post office oh, okay. guy. You know, your post. So post just, he was a dude that could ride a horse. Uh, mm -hmm. And because back then, I assume post was delivered from town to town on horse and buggy or just if it like did they have an express where you could just 
get a guy on a horse to take you. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Like in, yeah, in yeah, Red yeah, Dead Redemption, they do. Yeah, so yeah, figure... that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that, yeah, that's that's you know that's your initial post office kind of stuff. Just some dude on the horseback delivering mail. <laughs> give, give him some money and he'll take it. Yeah, All there right. he goes. Uh, after the events of Lexington that morning and Concord that morning, where shots were ringing out, and the, over the next whole day, like the militia is going to chase the British all the way back to back to the sea, basically. Hey, all right, okay. But in um, case that did, in case that didn't happen, and they brought well, five thousand instead of five hundred, yeah, other cheers, cheers. Need to be warned, Yeah, right? you're yeah, you're right there on the money with that one, Johnny. Anyway, so Bissell's you, gonna he's gonna yeah, you're right on the money with that. They bring a lot more troops. Anyway, so oh they Bissell, oh okay. Yeah, they, they so did. beyond that initial five hundred, that was yeah, just yeah, a, it was, uh, it was, that was just the tip. It's just a tip, so to speak. <laughs> Uh, so as the shots ring out from the initial battle uh, on the 19th, uh, Bissell's going to ride uh, four days, six hours, covering 345 miles, literally shouting to arms to arms, the war has begun. Oh. In addition to riding How many miles? 345 miles 345 on horseback miles. over four days and six hours. Uh, while writing that, he does have orders from General Joseph Palmer, which these orders are basically a copied letter that says, uh, on this day, uh, British engaged militia troops and fired upon the militia troops unprovoked. <laughs> okay, totally unprovoked. Uh, and uh, in war has basically been, you know, war's on, guys. Not declare because there's no country to declare it, but war's, war's Right, on. but yeah, we're, we're fighting now. Gloves, the gloves are off. You know, we threw down the gloves and now it's, it's go time. Uh, he would, uh, in addition to stopping at each stop, he would distribute a copy of this. Like he, they would, the, the local paper or whatever would, would just, you know, copy that, the, that right. letter down and then print it off for the newspapers. Yeah. Which, which the reason, one big reason why we don't know who the hell Israel Bissell is is because they kept spelling his name wrong in these papers. I mean, it's, it can't be, it's not that hard to spell. But no, the <laughs> real reason we don't is because. Yeah, poem wasn't you, written about you, you write a powerful poem about a Israel Bissell. Israel Bissell. There's uh, like this soft, it's just all soft consonants and like it's yeah, just there's nothing there's nothing big about that. So he would ride from Watertown, Massachusetts to Philadelphia along the Old Post Road. Uh, during the first part of his journey, he would actually ride the horse too hard, too fast. The horse would collapse and die up from underneath them, so he'd have to get their horse replaced. Oh, got to get a new horse to continue the rest of his his journey. Did he so? Uh, do you, does he have the power just to commandeer a horse? Are there like post office horses so, that he can just go and pick a new one up at the local post office? I, I, maybe I, the, a lot of Bissell is legend. Um, there was some speculation that he doesn't. He, he never even existed, but he he sure shit did because we do have his military records. We know where the oh, guy's okay. buried. Like he he All did right. exist. He did do this. It's just whether or not this was. Uh, but we but whether he, he this, whether or not he lost or, a horse or not. Okay. What, how, but yeah, but he did. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, yeah, this is what happens when you start exaggerating things in history. Is no one's gonna believe you? So when I I can't, keep doing it. I can't, like, I can't tell you. He. My speculation is that there was a friendly militia member who gave him a horse. That would be my speculation. That would, yeah, yeah. That would that would make sense. And and you know, it seems at this time everybody was kind of on one side. And so I I would imagine even if he was like went up to a local farmer who had a horse, he's like, hey, I need to borrow your horse to warn of this war that's happening. They well, might be okay with that. They, uh, maybe there were some uh, loyalists that weren't, but yeah, but anyways, uh, yeah, but, dirty, but, dirty but, but yeah, coats on our own ground. Yeah, dirty, dirty raincoats on our own ground. Yep, sure, sure, shit was a lot of that going on. After the ride, he's going to join the Connecticut Army uh, alongside, uh, and I said Connecticut, not continental. He's going to go back and join the Connecticut militia uh, alongside his brother Justice, uh, Justice uh, Beaver. 
What? <laughs> That's a joke. I just wanted to make oh. it funny. Just, I, I thought, see how much you were paying Justice attention. Bissell. Right? Justice Bissell, okay. not Justice Bieber. But I, I don't. I don't. I thought you said Justice Beaver. And I thought Why, maybe he I changed went, his name because he was a beaver hunter or I something. Said, <laughs> that said, seemed reasonable was, for the days. I was going off of the beaver. Well, anyways, anyways. In addition, to, in addition to Bissell, uh, there were also uh, there was also a 16 year old female rider by the name of Sybil uh, Luddington uh, oh, who well. was uh, dispatched by her father on April 26th uh, from Kent to Farmers Mills, <laughs> Connecticut. All right, honey, time to go. You're time 16. to go. Get you, the hell yeah, out of you, here. you, you you I know these that. roads. You can ride. I know why. I know why we don't know about her. Yeah, because she's a woman. Yeah, <laughs> a sixteen-year-old girl at that point. Uh, uh, to attempt to save the town of uh, Danbury, Connecticut, was her goal. Like Danbury, Connecticut, the, the British were going there. Her goal was to go from Kent to Farmers Mills to tr- get up as many men as they can to uh, to form a defense. The men that she did recruit. So were she's actually, gathering people as she goes. Yeah, yeah, too. she's gathering people it, to go to fight. Hey, yeah. we need. They're coming. Yeah. We need you to fight. Get your yeah. gun. Come on up. Uh, the men she did recruit were a little bit too late because as they approached the town, uh, it was already set aflame by the British. Here's your setting shit aflame. There it uh, is. Probably yeah, shouldn't. That's what they do. Why? It's probably such shouldn't a dick do that. Move. Probably shouldn't do that. If <sighs> if there were loyalists in that town, they're sure shit not now after you burn uh, their hard house. Hard to stay loyal if yeah. Although uh, I'd argue that uh, today certain people might stay loyal to uh, their uh, chosen one, even if they burned their house down in front of them. Yeah, probably. Uh, and they can, people hey, are crazy. Hey, so historic hindsight is apolitical. That's my daily reminder. I wasn't talking about anybody in spe- anybody specific. I was yeah. very general with my terms. I know. I'm just. If I'm you're just... going to assign certain people to that, that's on you. And you need to look inside yourself, Tommy, and see how just apolitical you are. Oh, I'm not. But that's fine. Anyways, uh, 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 her ride itself would actually be double that of Paul Revere's, but history still forgets about her. She rode 40 miles versus Paul Revere's around 20. So, uh, so anyways, so where do all we right, get? So, so legend, they, legend. Why, why, why Paul Revere? Why do we talk about him? It is all thanks to one man, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Before this guy came Longfellow, along, yeah, the Longfellow, the writer, the writer. Before I've he heard came, of him. yeah. Before he came <laughs> along, nobody gave a shit about Paul Revere. Nobody gave yeah. a shit about Paul Revere. But in 1861, as he's writing this new uh, this new poem, there's a little bit of something going on that if you follow our podcast, you know that there's a war going on, a civil oh, war. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, uh, and and maybe it that. might be the time that we want some American folk heroes. We need some patriotism. And so yeah. maybe we're going to write some poems for some patriotism, some American folk heroes. Okay. So Henry Wadsworth Longfellow writes Paul Revere's Ride in 1861, 40 years after Paul Revere himself dies. Uh, and uh, Just and 40? 40 years after Paul Revere 40. dies. 40? Okay, I'm 40, like, 40 hold years. up. No, 40 How years old after, was Paul Revere? No, 40 okay. years after Paul Revere dies. <laughs> Uh, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow did his due diligence and did historical research, uh, but he was out to make a propaganda piece, and he says, yeah, I took a lot of liberties with this story because Israel Bissell doesn't sound like a good name that I can rhyme with, so we got rid of him, and uh, Dansworth, he doesn't sound like a good name to rhyme with, so I got rid of him. Paul Revere Revere sounds good, so let me tell you a story about Paul's a good, strong, biblical name. Uh, so he took a lot of poetic licensures out and just ran with it. And ever since then, we now know and, of Paul Revere's Midnight Ride, which... And instead of teaching the American students that a poem was written for these purposes, because 
uh, for propaganda or whatever. And that much what better actually story. happened. All we did was teach them that this poem that was written for propaganda was fact. It was fact, And it's yeah. what happened. And it's not what happened. Paul Revere neither saw the lights in the lighthouse. He did not ride around going, the British are coming. He did not ring bells or shoot muskets. Uh, his goal was to warn Samuel Adams and John Hancock specifically that the British were coming. And by British, I mean regulars. Us. Uh, <laughs> us. We're coming. The, the, the militia, you know, the military is coming to, to arrest you. Ugh. And then he got arrested on his way, uh, blabbed his mouth <laughs> like a little child, uh, got drunk in a pub and drunkenly stumbled into the Battle of Lexington. Happened to, to find. Happened to find Hancock again and help him escape. Probably because they were like towards the back of the, finding the his, happenings. Yeah, happening. I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> they weren't in the thick of it. And that's the true story of Paul Revere. I hope you. Uh, I hope you all have a good rest of your fourth. If you're watching this on the day it releases. That's it for this week in historic hindsight. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe, and join us next week when we talk about submarines.